Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. I've learned a couple of really valuable lessons over the past few days. First, real leadership is about building something that will last long after you're gone. I plan to have a principal's advisory committee meeting every two weeks. Well, this week's meeting is falling on the same day as my out of the building district principal's meeting. I initially canceled the advisory meeting because I couldn't be there. While the decision seemed to make sense at first, I began to do some real reflecting and came to the conclusion that momentum and mission can't stop because I can't be there. I also came to realize that I have to share more leadership. I also realized that though this PLC thing is my baby, I need to relinquish some of the control and trust that my people are on board. And lastly, I need to take more advantage of the fact that I've got an outstanding assistant principal, a leader in the making. With that in mind, I decided that the meeting would take place in my absence and Jeannie would facilitate that meeting. This is a huge step because I have to totally trust that it's going to go well. And after I got over the fact that I wasn't going to be there, I came to the conclusion that it would go just fine. Hey, listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in Advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site, go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. Reminds me of, it reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of of nothing 
nothing. And I got 950,000, 1100 books behind me right now on this shelf. And some of them are great, but none of them are like Ruthless Equity. Ruthless Equity is a book like no other, explains equity like no other, speaks to you like no other, the coach on your shoulder, the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. All right, baby, let's get into it. I have to tell you, I do a little bit of soul searching for this one. From the second I read the entry, I love the content, (laughs) but this is one of those entries where I had all of the damn epiphanies in the journal entry. Oh boy. So I've divided my reflection into two sections. What's good for them and what's good for me. So I'm gonna start with what's, you know, how this was good for me. One, legacy. I know Bridge is gonna kill me if I mention a book that I'm writing one more time, but I'm gonna mention it, you know what? Plus, I'm in Atlanta. She's in Colorado. She can't reach me. One of the aspects of visionary leadership I'm writing about is legacy. And, um, you know, I'm really careful not to present myself as anything above human. Because I think that's some of the problem we have. You know, especially, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're reading books about, you know, industry titans and successful entrepreneurs, sometimes it's easy to look at them as finished products, like they came in as finished products. And there's nothing, you know, further from the truth. Legacy, everybody has access to legacy. I just think it was just hardwired to me. I mean, the idea of me busting my ass to, you know, earn this degree and then going all these interviews and the whole journey through teaching and then the leadership. Like no one had to tell me that legacy was important. I'm all about that legacy. And I know that's my ego. You know, I wanted, it's really Sister Mary Claire's fault, who's now 80. Because she made me feel like a million bucks in second grade and I was on a mission to make every student feel that way. And then when I became a principal, to make every staff member feel that way and have all of that manifest itself into a new narrative, a new paradigm shift, a disruption of the status quo and improved student learning. So legacy, legacy is huge. Now to have legacy, you got to put stuff in place that lives beyond you. And I'm not going to not going to repeat what I, you know, I said that in the, in the journal entry. And I think that's what got me thinking about making this move. Um, and I, like I, I coach principals and especially the newer ones. Like we are always afraid to leave the building. We're afraid to step outside for fear that the, you know, the building's going to fall apart or things aren't going to go well. You know, especially if you are leading that school or anything that looks like that school. You know, that, that's a that's a common refrain. What I love about this entry is that I just talked with a principal recently 
about this and the opportunity she had to go to a training and like speak it into her staff that, hey, I'm leaving the building. I'm leaving it in your hands. Things are going to be great. And I don't exactly remember what she had to go to, but she came back. The building's still standing. Everything was fine. And I immediately said, man, this is an opportunity for you to really give your staff a reputation to uphold. And we're going to touch on that when I get to the other side of the ledger. So that's the first thing. Legacy is absolutely important. What kind, you know, what do you want folks saying about your leadership after you're gone? And I just knew that day that, you know, whatever they say about me, it's not going to be because of just exactly what I did. It's got to be us. We're on this mission. And so this was just an opportunity to build a legacy of a powerful staff that can keep things moving in your absence. It also hit me that, you know, momentum and mission aren't mine. I don't own them. I don't own them. If I don't share them, if I don't facilitate shared uh, mission and vision, then yeah, it's all mine. But it's not mine. It's ours. And that's something I explained to them as well. And it was clear that I needed to get better at shared leadership. Now, the challenge for me, and I know this is a challenge for a lot of leaders who are, you know, navigating that school to and through a new narrative is trusting shit. I mean, you just, you know, you want things done and done right. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not a perfectionist either, but just things were just so chaotic. Um, I was used to handling just about everything myself and I had to realize that we're in a different place. Sometimes you're so close to your own work, it's hard to see what's working well. But I needed to distribute some leadership and release control and that is not easy. And I, am I a control freak? I don't think I'm a control freak. But I'm a doer. I like to get shit done. I don't know. Maybe somebody can psychoanalyze me. Here's the bottom line. Releasing control, relinquishing control requires, at least for me, that I had to become more outcomes focused. And sometimes I had to let go of how we got there. You know, uh, I've got a great executive assistant who works with me here at Unfold the Soul. And I mean, at this point, I mean, hell, I don't even listen to phone messages. I, I, I send them to her and she tells me whether I should listen to them or not. I mean, so we, we, we have a rhythm and a flow, but it was an adjustment and it, the adjustment was on my end. Like I, you know, I, I turned things over to her, you know, she handles a lot of my email and all of my contracting and communication and the spirit of how she works is 100% aligned with, you know, unfold the soul's values and expectations. But what I had to let go of was there are times where she does things differently than I do. And instead of like trying to micromanage her every move, I just had to get focused on outcomes. You know, what's the end result? What's the deliverable? What is this supposed to look like in the end? And this, I had to do the same thing with relinquishing leadership. It's about outcomes. And as we move into the second part of my reflection, which is what's good for them, I had to become outcomes focused. 
I could not micromanage exactly how other people did what needed to be done. And that provided me an opportunity to help people stand taller. You know, you know, I use this phrase that I, I heard from John Maxwell 30 years ago, you know, giving others a reputation to uphold. Or maybe it was Kuzis and Posner. I'm not sure. But I just believe in that. I believe as leaders, you know, whether you're a school leader, or a district leader, or a teacher leader, if you're leading people, there are, if you're looking for them, you will find those opportunities to speak something into them that is authentic and real and just watch them stand a little taller. The fact that I chose to leave for that principal's training and turn the advisory committee over to our AP and our advisory team to conduct that meeting without me. Yeah, I would have loved to have been there, but you know what I thought about immediately? This thing goes well tomorrow. I'm going to go to each one of them and just talk about just how proud I am of them and what that meant and what that has opened up and what that provides the opportunity for. It is just a huge opportunity for you to speak it into them and help them stand taller, give them a reputation to uphold. I don't care who they are. I don't care how old they are. I don't care what the role is. When someone sees more in you than you saw in yourself, when someone speaks it into you, when someone hands you a responsibility that you have to grow a little taller to make happen, it is a phenomenal opportunity. You know, what I try to stay away from is good job, good job, good job. Just those generic, you know, bullshit compliments that aren't rooted in anything. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for them to stand taller. This is also an opportunity to send the message that I'm not going to snoopervise you. You hear me? You see what I did with that? Snoopervise. Not supervise, snoopervise. You got you to gotta slide the N in there real smooth like and then say it without hesitation. Now, I'm not going to snoopervise you. That, that just communicates trust, man. You know, when you're talking about a meeting that you've been in charge of, that you came up with, that you lead and facilitate, and all of a sudden you're turning it over to your AP and teacher leaders to make it happen. That's just awesome. And I, on purpose, did not call them, did not check in, didn't text them, nothing. No emails. You know, Jeannie gave me an update later that evening. And then the next day I came in ready to provide authentic, positive feedback to our team. It is a really big deal to take those opportunities. And some of that comes with uh, what I call the curiosity of conviction. Once you put 10 toes down, you have declared where the school is going. You have communicated an audacious compelling vision that jars where you are today and when staff become enveloped in that vision and it becomes a shared vision you start looking for opportunities to build them up opportunities that are sincere not motivational warm water shit because teachers can smell that a mile away so can students and so can you you know when a compliment is empty but you look for these opportunities and I knew this was a calculated risk and it worked out really well. And I've used things like this. I mean, it has just served me moving forward. It served me when I was a classroom teacher and you know, I'm dating myself. Like back in the day, you have like a class monitor. Like if you had to step out for a second and 
you know, of course, sometimes I always chose the goody two shoes. The kids were a little super responsible. Sometimes I chose a buster. Shit. I remember Paul looked around at me one time like, what the? Remember, you know you, you want me to, you give me the chalk, you, you want me to go to the dry race board and put names down? But you know, I mean, you know I gotta, you realize that I'm the discipline problem in your class, right? I mean, you could, but I tell you what, he loved it. Now, I ain't gonna lie, I came back from wherever I had to go and he had damn near everybody's name on the damn board, including the damn students who don't make a peep, don't make a sound, but boy, oh boy, he looked like a damn, uh, 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 a, a, a damn sergeant in the, detect, the, the detective department when I got back from wherever I was for those few minutes. So again, look for those opportunities to distribute leadership. Look for those opportunities to give your staff a reputation to uphold and know that all of this grows out of the fact that mission and momentum are not mine. They're not yours. They are ours. They're only yours when you haven't communicated it. And then let me tell you something. It's not real mission and vision either. When it's still in your head, it ain't mission. It's an idea. It's a thought. It's something that makes you feel good in fleeting moments. It doesn't become mission and vision until you've communicated it. You put 10 toes down, you stripped down naked, got your whole ass out there for the world to see without a bunch of answers. That's when you know you have entered the world of mission. And then when you add a picture of what your school's gonna become, that's the powerful vision that pulls you through all the strife the stress you will slide through during the good times you will stumble through during the bad times but even on your worst days when the smoke clears and you look up at that sky and those clouds part that north star your vision will be right there these are the elements of legacy baby momentum and mission are not yours share them with your staff become one become you against the world start with the crown not with the kids. Share this podcast with someone who you might think would benefit from it. And always remember, there is no chance, no destiny, no fate that will circumvent, hinder, or control the firm resolve of a determined soul. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit RuthlessEquity.com.